So authority doesn't always have to be just because we're supervising someone or because we're their manager or their leader or their boss or whatever we want to call it. It can be because I own this function or I own this set of outcomes for an organization. And so I push you out. I create less trust. I have no vulnerability around you sharing your ideas around my work because if I do, I'm no longer in that castle on the hill and that's scary for me. Hi, and you just entered the Leadership Gym. I'm Randy Hall. I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant, and this is the place where we work on our ability to lead our team, lead our business, and yes, lead ourselves. If you are looking to improve your capabilities as a leader, you are in the right spot. you're here today. Thanks for joining me. Today we are going to tackle the subject of vulnerability in leaders. It's one of the words that we're hearing so much more about right now. Leaders need to be vulnerable. They also need to be a whole lot of other things and we'll break all of that down because just throwing words at leaders and telling them they should isn't always that helpful. Hey, by the way, if you are working on your ability to lead at a different level, at a more capable level that feels different for you, gets different results for your team, or if you need more of that in your organization, check out the Leadership Gym at leadershipgym.com. We get to have an ongoing conversation there about how we do leadership well. No matter where we are on our leadership journey, there are things there that if we spend time with it, can help us get to our definition of success as a leader. Leadershipgym.com. Take a look at it for you, for your organization, for anyone that wants to lead themselves, their team, their business better or differently. All right, let's get into this vulnerability thing. So first of all, we hear an awful lot of these kinds of words getting thrown at leaders. If you are a leader, you need to be more vulnerable. You need to be more empathetic. You need to be more authentic. You need to be more inclusive, along with a whole host of others that are just out there in the world being said that leaders need to do. And that's an interesting first step. Let us go sort of collectively say to leaders that they aren't good if they aren't doing these things. And so they need to do more of them. It doesn't mean all the words are wrong. It simply means that our chance of actually helping a leader shift from where they are to a different place by just throwing words at them isn't all that useful. It isn't a recipe for success. It's not how humans improve in any area. I don't care what the word is that they might be pursuing. And so the reality is that we have to define these things in a way so that people can first understand them. Remember, human behavior changes when four things are in place. I want to, I know how, I believe I can, and I have support. That's it. So just telling leaders that they need to be more vulnerable isn't all that helpful because it doesn't really do any of those things. How am I supposed to separate those? Okay, the world is saying, or at least there's a lot of blogs or scholars or somebody saying that I need to be more vulnerable as a leader. Could be books out there saying I need to do this differently. 
more vulnerability. Well, maybe I read a book six months ago that said I needed to be more authentic. Well, what if I'm not authentically vulnerable? What do I do? If that's not the real me, this vulnerability that I'm supposed to have now, and I'm supposed to be authentic, which is the real me, what the heck do I do next? What's step one to to moving in any direction here? In most cases, the confused mind just stands still. And that's what we do in the literature, in the writing, in the books that are written. We just tell leaders they have to be all these tremendous, amazing things if they're going to lead a team well. And if they don't do these things well, they're not a good leader. They won't get good results and their team won't respect them or engage for them or believe them or trust them or go to work for them. It's all a big mess if our goal is really to develop leaders. Now, if our goal is just to have a say on the issue, okay, I get that. But if our job, if our goal, if our mission, if the thing that we are actually trying to do with the way we write or talk or speak about these things, if that job is about actually helping people improve, then we haven't done it well if we've just thrown a bunch of words at people and told them to be these things, be these character traits better, right? So today what we're going to do is take vulnerability as one of these character traits. You can look back, we did one on authenticity too. Vulnerability and break it down in a way that helps you understand what it is, what it might do for you as you lead teams, especially in the workplace, and then give you some steps to actually create it in the world around you if you want more of it. Our job, my job, is not to tell you how to lead. It is to give you ideas and thoughts and insights on how you could lead to get a different set of results if you want them, and then support you as you move in that direction. So I think about it maybe a little bit differently. All right, so let's tackle this vulnerability thing, because on its face, when somebody says, hey, you need to be more vulnerable, well, first of all, that just sounds scary as heck, right? Like, oh, well, that sounds crazy. Like, when is vulnerability a good thing? Heck, animals don't like vulnerability. They try not to show it in the wild so they don't get eaten. People don't generally readily switch to vulnerability if they've practiced sort of protecting themselves. And our brain is not wired to be vulnerable as a human evolutionarily. It has evolved as a protective mechanism so we can survive. So the last thing I want to do is open myself up to injury or death or, in our world now, ridicule or destruction or less respect or any of the things that we think we might lose when we start to go down this vulnerability path that other people think we should. So just saying that word on its face can scare a lot of people. I need to be more vulnerable. Expose my underbelly. Put my armor away. Just be open and, and take things as they come at me, no matter how painful they might feel to me as I do it. No human readily moves in that direction. Not just based on that word. At least none that I've met. And certainly most of the leaders that I've met consider vulnerability something that might be nice but requires a heck of a lot of effort and challenge and personal emotional trauma in some cases. So we don't want to just throw the word out there and expect for anyone to do anything different because in any world where we examine that kind of behavior change, it doesn't happen that way. 
So let's do it a little different. Let's talk about what vulnerability means if you're leading a team of people in the workplace. Now, here's how I define it. And this is for you to think about, consider, have insights around. But here's how I define it. Vulnerability simply means removing authority from conversations where it makes sense. You can't always remove your authority. If you're in a job because you own a business or because you have a role that has authority, you get to make organizational decisions that other people don't because your role needs to make those organizational decisions. So that doesn't mean that you never have authority in your position. There are times you have to to do your job well. That doesn't mean you wield it over people in conversations to get a different result that feels faster and easier for you. That is very, very different than exercising the authority that my role has to make organizational decisions. So all we're saying when we say leaders could benefit from being more vulnerable, and I really do mean could benefit from being more vulnerable, all we mean there is that we remove authority from conversations. Now, which conversations? Well, most of them. Any conversation where we're solving problems, thinking about ideas, collaborating, having open discussions, any of those conversations, we want to take authority out of. And there's three reasons that we want to do that. There's three reasons that we want to add our own vulnerability to that. One is that how people feel about you absolutely changes the way they do their work. If you're working for a jerk, you do your work at a lower level of quality, usually. You're less engaged, usually. You care less about the outcome, usually, if you're working for a jerk. If you're working for someone that you kind of get out of bed for in the morning and, and want to go to work for because you, you want to support them or you're aligned with them or you feel like you're on the same team with them working toward the same goal, that's a very, very different approach to the work that you do. Vulnerability, as we're describing it, taking authority out of the conversations, breeds a connection that allows people to do work that way. I remember years ago, I was in a sales job, and I asked the number one person in my region, I had just joined this sales region, there were 10 people on it, I believe, at the time, and I asked the number one person, his name was Jim, and I said, Jim, why do you get out of bed in the morning? What fires you up? You're crushing it, man. What are you doing that's making this kind of success happen for you? Because I wanted to learn that. And he said, and our boss's name at the time was Ron. He said, I get out of bed every morning because I know Ron expects me to, and I don't want to let him down. Now, that's not to say that our job as a leader is always to just sort of build that kind of loyalty. It is to say that we are responsible for creating an environment where some of it can exist and where we don't create the opposite, where, well, that guy's a jerk. So if I go to work at 10, that's just fine because I don't really care. We don't want that to happen. And so we're focused on this concept of connection, not because we think we need to be connected to people. We might. But as a leader, it's not just because the connection feels good for us or feels good for them. It's because people do different kinds of work when they're connected to people. Now, we get some of the feel-good stuff, too. Like, that happens. 
But you can have organizations where everybody feels good, but we don't get the results that we need. We have to do both of those things, right? So we want to make sure that we understand the reasons that we're causing our own behavior shifts in order to get a different set of results. And that's one of them. How people feel about you changes the way they do their work. Two is it creates trust. Here's what trust breaks down to, and maybe we'll do a podcast on trust. We actually did one about how do you trust ahead of time so that other people can. So that's a good reference, too. We'll link these podcasts below in our show notes as well, so you can just click on them and go there if you're interested. But trust is about believing that someone else has your best interest at heart. That means they don't have an agenda. They aren't trying to manipulate you. They don't want something that's not good for you. They don't want something different than you do or that you don't understand or can't believe in. It's hard to trust people like that. I don't know what you really want or what your goals are or why you're doing this. And so I have skepticism, not trust. When we are vulnerable, meaning when we take authority out of these conversations, trust can happen because we're having open conversations about what we think and why we think it. And when that happens, people get to understand our motives and our intent at a level that allows them to see it for what it is rather than assume it based on some set of actions that they thought we didn't do well or thought we did them because we didn't like them or didn't agree with them or didn't believe in them or just wanted to use them for work with no other care about them. So it's essentially a way for us to show our intent and our ideas and our thoughts and our passions and the things that we believe in through conversation because we take authority out of it. When we keep authority in that that space, what we do is we try to position ourselves in this fortified castle up on the hill in their mind, and then they're sort of milling around doing the work below us, and we're just making the decisions based on what we think should happen next. I was watching a, an email exchange even just this week in, in a client organization that I'm working with where somebody in one set of services sent a message to other people who were trying to share some ideas about how they could do things differently or better and said, hey, kind of leave that alone. I got it and I'll let you know when I'm finished with it. One of the most disengaging things you can do. And even in that case, it was authority over, this is my job, so I will do it. I don't need your input or your help right now. So authority doesn't always have to be just because we're supervising someone or because we're their manager or their leader or their boss or whatever we want to call it. It can be because I own this function or I own this set of outcomes for an organization. And so I push you out. I create less trust. I have no vulnerability around you sharing your ideas around my work because if I do, I'm no longer in that castle on the hill and that's scary for me, right? But by doing it, we get to do better work together. We get to do work based on trust and based on connection. Now, why do we need trust in organizations? We talk a lot about it. People are always saying, well, you have to have trust in an organization, but they don't necessarily get to why or how. Well, the short answer is, because this is an episode on vulnerability, not trust, is that trust creates truth. Trust means you get truth. If I trust you, 
I give you the documentary, not the made-for-TV movie. If I trust you, I share the genuine picture, not the one that I colored a little bit because you are at a different level than me and the organization and I need to protect myself. Because I only need to protect myself if I don't trust you. And it is your job to create a world using vulnerability that allows me to trust you. I know what you care about. I know what you think. I know what your intentions are. I know what your agenda is. And I'm aligned with it. All right. So connection that allows people to do different kinds of work because they can connect to you as a human trust, which means truth. And the third thing is that vulnerability in conversations, taking authority out of conversations in the workplace, allows influence both ways. So if I am in that castle on the hill, and if I am the superior person, and if I am in that space where I'm protecting myself from feedback or other ideas, I don't allow people to influence this conversation in the same way. Here's how that plays out in the real world. I was doing 360 feedback for a business several years ago, and one of the things we do when we go in to, to help organizations with that is we do this 360 mechanism where everybody gets to weigh in on the capabilities and qualities and performance, however you want to think about it, of this leader from all the way around them, people that report to them, people that are their peers, people that are supervising, people that report to them, people that are their peers, people that are above them in the hierarchy of the organization. And we get these reports. And there was one manager there that essentially people described as, yeah, you come into the conversation knowing that the only right answer is going to be their idea. And so we don't bring our thoughts. We don't bring ideas that we have that we're excited about, that we think would be good for the organization. Now, this is different than truth. This is really about influence. Because if I have a really good idea that I think is going to work and I want to bring it to my boss or my manager in a meeting, I want to influence them in ways that cause them to see the merits of it too. That's a good thing for people to do in businesses, get excited about possibilities and solutions and ideas and strategies and all these things and bring them to the table so that we can have these conversations. Well, if I know that my boss is not vulnerable, won't remove the authority long enough to where their job is to approve or disapprove of my ideas, not enter a collaborative discussion with me about my ideas, then why would I do that work? All I'm doing is setting myself up for failure and half the time, what the boss does is sort of take credit for the idea after they've massaged it slightly differently and then executed it themselves or proposed it for the organization. And that's not what I want. I want to contribute to this, not hand it off and hope that some of my words end up in the edited version. That's not what I want to do. That's not why I care about bringing this to the table in the first place. So the three things that vulnerability, removing authority from conversations, can get you is connection that allows people to work differently because they feel differently about you. Trust, which means you get the truth as you're doing this work, not some shaded version that they think is suitable for consumption. And it allows influence both ways. I allow people to influence me because my decisions are better when they bring those good ideas. I also am able to influence them, but not because of my authority, but because I too bring ideas to this collaborative conversation. All right, so that's why it matters. We simply do better work in organizations because of vulnerability for those three reasons. Now, how do we do it? If I tell you, hey, what's your first step to becoming more vulnerable as a human? Again, we go back to that immediate, I don't want to be more vulnerable as a human. It sounds dangerous. 
So we've got to start to think about, okay, if I did want to create those results, though, in the conversations that I have in the work that we do, if I bought into those three things you said could happen for me, if I have vulnerability, Randy, then okay, how would I start that? There are three steps to that as well. Three is such a cool number sometimes. I want to bring to the table stories of my struggles and my failures because it lets people know I'm human. It takes authority out of the conversation. I become a person like you do. And it gives people insight into the challenges I face or have faced. Now, this does not mean we call a meeting and tell people about our biggest failures. That's not what it means. It means I think about the times in my life when those have happened and I have them ready to share. I don't announce them. I don't start a blog about my failures. I don't, you know, send out memos about all the things I've screwed up in my life. That's not what I'm doing. What I am doing are making sure that I understand those myself, can articulate them well, and share them where it's appropriate. Hey, when we're talking about something inside a meeting, you know what, guys, here's one of the things that I struggle with as we go to execute this. And here's where I've made some mistakes around that before. So I just want to share that with you as we start to do this work so that we can think about where our roadblocks might be and how we do work that allows us to move past them or around them. We can do that, right? I can let those things happen because I've prepared them. Now, I can't just intend to let them happen without actually thinking through those stories or how they sound or how I want to frame them up. I have to do that work ahead of time, so I'm prepared to lead well in the moment. It's no different than practicing, say, public speaking skills in case I need to be a public speaker as a leader in my organization at some point. It's the same thing. I'm practicing my story skills so that I can share my thoughts with people in a better way that gets those results. So that's the first. Prepare your stories of struggles and failures. Think about where you've had them in your world. Let people know that you're human and that you're not perfect and that you make mistakes. And here's some examples of where you've done that. It allows all those things to happen. Two, questions that level the field. So when we think about this whole concept of them bringing their ideas, the questions aren't, Hey, let me see what you've thought of so that I can now approve or disapprove it. It's, hey, share your thoughts with me about this. What do you think we ought to do? If you were in my seat, how would you handle this? Or or tell me why you're passionate about this. What matters about it to you? How do you think we go do it well as a business? What else haven't I considered that you've thought about? That levels the playing field. Those kinds of things level the play. Because I'm not saying I'm your boss, bring your proposal, and I'll decide if it's worthy or not. I am saying, bring your ideas and I'll bring mine and let's kick them around as if we're on a level playing field, not one where I am somehow superior to you. That's what vulnerability is. I'm coming into this conversation with us being in the same place as humans who bring good ideas and thoughts and experience to this conversation, right? That's what I want to create. Well, I have to do that with my questions. So I write them down. What are your thoughts on this? What experience have you had with this? When have you run into this before and what can I learn from it? Notice how when I say, what can I learn from it and things like that, it changes the game in these discussions, So our language and our questions that level the field is the second thing we need to prepare and work on and be ready to deliver. And then the third thing is extraction of feedback. 
as a leader, people don't give us feedback because there's too much risk in giving it to us, especially if it's negative. And so we can't say to people, hey, tell me what you think about how we handled that project or how I led us through that change. Because people will say, good job, good job. You did a good job, boss. What we want them to do is actually share some thoughts with us about it. So we have to say things like, hey, give me three things that I probably could have done different there. Tell me two things that I might not have thought through well enough before we started that change to execute it well. I got to put numbers on them and I have to be specific because now people can't say, good job, boss. They have to give me two things that I could have done differently or better. They may still shade it if they don't trust us, but we've at least made it harder for them. And we will extract more valuable information than we would have if we just said, how did I do? Or what do you think? All right. If you want more vulnerability in your world because you want more truth, more connection, more influence to happen inside the organization or on your team or even in your house, then those three things will help you get them. Stories of struggles and failures, questions that level the field, and extraction of feedback. Hey, I hope this is valuable information for you, and I hope it helps you lead no matter where you are or what kind of team you're on or community you're in or family you have. That's my goal here. If we're doing that job well, I hope that you will leave us a five-star rating and a review. I hope we've earned it because that's important. And if we have, I hope you'll leave it because that's important too because other people are also looking for ways for them to improve their leadership and you can help. So thanks for doing that for us. All right, go find out where vulnerability fits for you. Practice some of the things that you think can create it for you or help you work on it for you and get a different set of results out of how your team works, how they interact and the results that you get together. Go do that. Go make a difference. I'll see you soon. 